let's pray. Father, thank you that we have gathered here under the banner of your great love, that you are the God who has come to rescue us. And we declare that there is no one like you who loves us with a, an everlasting and audacious love, who calls us by name, whose grace is still amazing, where the king of the universe would visit our planet and enter our story. And we acknowledge that we are here because of you, because of your goodness. We're parking at a ranch that's because of the hand and the blessing of Almighty God. We ask that the spirit of the living God would do its work of enlightening our eyes and help us to understand, to see, and hear the word of God. Uh, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Hey, I'm so excited to see you today. And I'm going to do a message called, For Me to Live as Christ. For Me to Live as Christ. And so we're looking at Philippians chapter 1. I'll actually be looking at verse 12 and 13 and 14 and 21. But our context is this, is that Paul writes this letter while he's awaiting his own execution in Rome, while he's doing hard time there in a maximum security underground prison with no lights and no running water, no bathroom. It really is awful. And he's already established himself. He started the church there. And now he writes this letter to mature them and shares perspective with them. So what we're going to do this morning is we're going to unpack three perspectives that could actually change your life. For some of you, they're perspectives that you're already going to be familiar with. And so we're going to look at these three perspectives, and I'm praying that God would use them to encourage us this morning. So there are three jail insights here. And the first thing that we see here in verse 12 is this, as Paul would say to you and me, something that he wants us to know in his chains. He says this, And I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. In other words, he's saying that given this perspective of the church, that that is that God has a better plan than whatever your plan is. Paul is saying like, look, I'm in this hell hole here and I'm stuck in it. I'm here in prison. But I've learned this, that God has a better plan, that God is bigger than my circumstances, that God is bigger than my imprisonment, that God is bigger than my chains here. So he looks beyond his chains. He looks beyond his imprisonment and the things which were holding him back to what God could do through him. He says, this has happened actually to advance God's purpose here. And so many times I think that we're stuck in our situations where we don't know what to do. And we look at our situation, we feel how limited that we are and how true that is in our culture this day. And friends, God has never given us a promise that life was going to be perfect. In fact, God would say to us this in um, Philippians chapter 1, verse 12, I want you to know that this happened to me. These bad things happened, but God is using them. And he says, I'm hooked. Literally, this is what Paul was doing. He's stuck there in chains. He says, and this is what is going on. He's writing. As he's writing, he's chained to a Roman Praetorian guard there. He says, look, this has happened to me. Bad things have happened to me. I am hooked. I am chained to a stinky jailer. And they're going to kill me. But this is what I know. The gospel is being advanced here. So he has this perspective. If he's asking questions like this, God, what is it in the midst of my change that you want to do in my situation? What are you trying to teach me? What are you trying to show me here? And so he has this perspective that though he's in chains, that God has a better plan. 
And I think it's good for us to be reminded of that this morning, whatever your situation is, that God has a better plan. And what did that look like? It looks like this, that Paul ends up writing a bunch of the Bible because his plans didn't work out, because he didn't get to do his, his passion of preaching the Scripture. He wrote Philippians because his plans didn't work out, where he had lots of time then to, to write the letters of the Bible there, where he discovered that his bad day was really more than that. It was a divine opportunity. So now he has recognizes that God has a better plan. So God wants to reach 10,000 Praetorian soldiers. He wants to reach these, these hand-picked troops, these high-profile elite soldiers. The historians say they even picked the emperor. How incredibly powerful are these men, the bodyguard of the emperor. And Paul now is continuously chained to them. You see, his bad day was more than that. It was actually an opportunity. I mean, how cool is that, friends? Have you considered that there might be a new opportunity right in the middle of your bad day? Whatever it is that, that chains us, that holds us back, perhaps in the midst of that, Jesus would want to work through you. And look at what he says in verse 13. As a result of this, he says, of me being locked up in prison, let me tell you what I did with this new opportunity. In fact, he's saying, I think God even, God even may have had his hand in this. It's become clear throughout the whole palace guard and everyone else that I'm in chains for Christ. The whole palace guard means 10,000 of the most powerful people on the planet at that time. Paul recognized, if I influence them, which he would, I can influence the world. So he's saying this, look, I may not get to preach on a stage like this anymore here. And now I'm preaching in prison to guards that I am chained to. And I never thought it would be possible, but God wanted the prison guards to hear the good news. And now that's happening. Paul is realizing what an opportunity that I have. And you know the guards they knew that his life was on the line. They knew that his head was on the chopping block. And now he recognizes this. He's saying, I can't preach to a bunch of people on the stages like I used to. But now I have a congregation, another congregation of guards. And how awesome is that? And he's, what he did is he, he took his circumstances and he poured them through the funnel of God's will and realizing that God could use him in any situation. And so while awaiting his execution, he recognizes that this is a win-win situation. He recognizes that for me to live as Christ, to die is gain. And so now he's able to preach, he's able to preach to a prison team and everybody's getting fired up because of what he's doing and, and, he, and he had a different space. Now he's in a prison space and he realizes I can do more in this prison than I could do outside the prison on the big stage there. And so he recognizes this, that God, he's not, he's not limited by this. He's not limited, you know, by our limitations. God is not limited by our limitations. He has a better plan and he's not limited by our limitations here. So I think this is so important for us this morning because 
you feel oftentimes limited by your limitations. So you are parked on a ranch where the leaders of this church, we felt limited by our limitations. And when this ranch became available, we were wondering how, how are we going to do it? Because there was 40 land developers that wanted to see the property. 40! And we knew we couldn't compete. We, did, we knew there was no way. In fact, I met one of them last week. And he said, he said, he drove up and said, hey, what's going on here? I wanted to buy this property. I live right over there. And he was, he's a, a, a developer. And he said, I wanted to buy this. And I had 1.1 million ready to, to, you know, to lay down and to buy this property. He said, and then one day I looked and like it was just, it was gone. And he asked me, he said, did you know what happened? And so talk about limitations. Um, we had about 30 or 40,000 in the bank and he had 1.1 million ready to rock and he was just one of 40 but God made a way where we were able to buy it for $600,000 yeah baby and the owner carried back 200,000 for two years interest free you see God is a God who's not limited by our limitations. And what are your limitations today? We all face limitations. But God is a God, and Paul realized that in prison. He goes like, look, it doesn't get any more limited than this, to being in a hellhole and being chained to Roman soldiers. And he realizes it, but God's not limited by that. So let's go down now to verse 21. God always has a better plan. God is not limited by our limitations. And he says this, perspective number three, verse 21. He says, for to me, to live is Christ, to die is gain. What about, what about that for to me? You see, if we adopt this attitude, it'll really change everything. Awaiting his own execution, he realizes this is a win-win. Because if I know Jesus, there's no way that I can lose here. Since if I live, it's awesome. I'll just keep doing what I'm doing here. But if this is it, I'm going to heaven. I win both ways. Do you realize this morning, friends, that if you're a Christ follower, you win both ways. You see, look at what he says, for to me. That's the base foundation of this passage, which for many of us, we've, we've seen it, we've heard about it, if you've been around church world here. But I want to take a moment to unpack that. What is he talking about? But, but for to me. You see, Paul was actually Saul of Tarsus. For to me, the backstory is this. It's grimy. It's gutsy. It's ugly. It's actually, it's awful when you read the backstory involving Paul. And we find here, in Acts chapter 7, there's this guy named Stephen. And he's one of these fearless, like thunderous preachers there, preaching this non-seeker-friendly message that doesn't just upset, but enrages the crowd. And it's not like today where people get upset. Maybe they get upset at me. Somebody got upset a couple weeks ago. They send a little email there and kind of rant a little bit about it on whatever social media. But it's not like that here. It's not even like, let's oust this guy. No, it so enrages the crowd that they stone him. And Paul was there watching play by play as Stephen is getting stoned. 
And to be stoned, at, you can't even get your mind around that. But I was stoned once in Haiti, but fortunately, the stones were missing the group that I was in. Uh, we had, a, we had a, a, a meeting there, a gospel meeting, and uh, they didn't like it. So we were trapped in a ravine, and we were walking through the ravine. And I remember hearing, whoosh, whoosh, and rocks were beginning to fly from the side of the ravine there. The person that I was next to gets hit, and they go down. And I picked the person up. And I put my Bible over my head, something about it's a helmet of salvation. And I put my, I really did that, I'm not being cute. Put my Bible over my head because I thought I could get hit by rocks. And I was carrying her. And I kept hearing these rocks flying through the, through the air there, right, right next to my head. But I never got hit. But it was terrifying for me. Imagine getting, getting struck by the rocks there. And there's Stephen. It says in Acts chapter 8, verse 1, it says, And Saul approves of his execution. As for me, the one that approved of murder, the one that approved of killing him and putting him to death there. And then it says in a few verses later, and Saul, so enraged, so fueled, he, gets, he began to destroy the church going from house to house. He dragged off men and women and put them to prison. As for me, See, I'm afraid we can become so familiar with this that we miss the, the rawness of what is happening both historically and biblically. Stones being thrown at Stephen. And there he's like, he's like thumbs up like, yeah, like kill him. Get like to us. Stony to death would, would seem so, so shocking and so appalling and so unthinkable. But to Paul, it's not unthinkable and it's not appalling. He's like, yeah. And he's not even thinking to himself like this. He's not even thinking like, gosh, like what, what happened to me? Like what, what was I thinking? Like was I caught up in the mob scene and the energy? No. It says that he heartily agreed with the stoning and he begins to, to destroy the church. I mean, he's actually enjoying himself, hauling away men and women, screaming children. And he's enjoying himself as for me. You see, the man's rage against Christianity, it's, it's unquenchable. Friends, it's out of control. And my third point is this. Wherever you're at in your life, whatever you've done, you, 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 you haven't done that. And this is for everybody. Being a Christ follower is for everybody. His rage emboldened him to drag people out to Jerusalem there. And he sees a man killed, and he begins to go house after house, proactively seeking the authorities so he can just uh, express his rage upon the church, dragging a parade of church people off to prison. Friends, does it get any darker than that? Is not that about as dark as it gets? And he says, as for me. With that backstory, that's what I did in On the Road to Damascus. He's not in some space there where like he's, he's doubting his doubts. No, he has no doubts. He hates the church. He hates their God. And so on the road to Damascus, the Tarshish guy, something crazy happens to him. And he says in Galatians chapter 1, that guy that I'm just talking about says this, but when he set me apart... Before I was born. 
I've been thinking about this. Set apart before he was born. Saul of Tarshish, he was that as for me. And you know what I've been thinking about? Um, it's been so awful what has happened in our nation that I can't even watch TV anymore. My wife has to tell me about it, but I just can't even watch TV anymore. So awful what's happening to our nation. And seeing what's happened and seeing uh, what people are doing to our nation. And like you, like me, like you, th- th- I feel like a visceral response to that. And I think about the people, but if, if God reached Paul, couldn't Paul reach them? And rather than, than react, I realize like, hey, that this is for, for everyone. This is for the people also tearing down the sacred historical national treasures of our nation. This is for everyone as for me to live as Christ. What about for you? What about as for, for us? He says here, and I get it, many of us, we've heard this over and over again. But to live, he says, as for me to live. My life, my thinking, my interests, my time, my passions, everything about me to live as Christ. He's saying this, friends, this is the best option out there. He said, look, I've checked them all out. And with deep conviction, I can tell you that all the other options, all the other paths out there, they are bankrupt. Well, what options has he seen back 2,000 years ago? Well, he could say that he's seen the, the bankruptcy of having it all. He said, look, I knew Lydia. And Lydia was like this fashionista of Philippi, this deep-pocketed businesswoman there, super successful, super wealthy, uh, multiple homes, uh, comfort, nice house, nice pad, all of that. Paul even stayed in her house. And he recognized, wow, sweet pad. Pretty awesome, Lydia. You, she's got every trinket, every toy imaginable. But he knew that that path was one of bankruptcy. He says, no, no, no. He says, to live, it's not that. But there's a better way to live is Christ. And hear me, friends. I get it. That we're seduced and we're discipled on what life is all about. We're told that life is all about every commercial that we see in every movie and every sitcom. And we are intensely being saturated and discipled there that more trinkets and more toys, that that's where you find life. It's on the other side of more comfort. And Paul would say, no, listen, I've been there and I've done that. And I've seen the bankruptcy of Lydia's life. And I can tell you, for me to live, it's not that, it's Christ. He said, look, I've argued with the intellectuals of my day on Mars Hill. I know what that world is also like. The brilliant intellect of the Apostle Paul says, look, that, that, that has its place, but that's not life. And then he says, look, I can talk to you about religion. He says, I was a poster child for Pharisees. In fact, I was a Pharisee of a Pharisee concerning the law. I was blameless. I was perfect that way. But then he said, but those things that were gained to me, I once thought they were gaining everything. Since now I realize those things are loss. And yea, Dallas, I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I've suffered the loss of all things. And now I do count them but rubbish. He looks at his, re- his religious life and he says that just religion can be empty. He says, look, 
check that box, check the intellectual box. Toys and trinkets, check that box. And he says with his deepest conviction, for to me, I've seen it all, I've heard it all. And I tell you, friends, there is no better way than to live, than to put Jesus Christ first in your life. For me to live, I'm telling you, for me to live is Christ. He said, I've seen the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ above every other valuable thing known to man. And finally concludes with this, to die is gain. And how out of the ordinary is that, to say to die is gain? I mean, who, who would ever say that? But he says it can actually be, when you know Christ, it can be a good thing. As audacious as it sounds here, because when I, when I take my final breath on this earth, then I, need to, I get to experience Jesus with no downside. See, death is not finally, he says it's a transition. So he says then, this is how to die is gain. So Paul gives us three perspectives. He tells us that he realized God has a better plan. He realizes that there, there's no limitations to a limitless, to a limitless God. And lastly, as for me, God does it for me, he can do it for anyone. This is for everyone. Let's pray. And Father, thank you for your word this morning. Lord, thank you that we're here at the ranch. It's awesome. I pray we'd leave here realizing Jesus is awesome. For some of us, Lord, that perhaps we feel a barrier between us and you. We feel that you're just out there some way. And Father, thank you that you sent Jesus to destroy the barrier. Thank you that's what you've done for us, that we can be close to you again, that you bridge the gap. Thank you that we can know you and be close to you again because sin has been removed by what Jesus did on the cross. Thank you that the creator of the universe carried a cross, a type of torture device, up a hill. And thank you that Jesus willingly laid his life upon the cross and let all the little people that he created nail him to a cross and be a sin sacrifice for us. And you became our righteousness, that we can be right with you. And Father, if there's one person here this morning, it would be my great honor to pray for them. And today, friends, you can come home. You can be a son, you can be a daughter, you can be part of the family of God. Is there anyone here that wants that? And I'm gonna pray for you. You need to know I'm not, I'm not praying that you join this church. I'm praying that, that you would know him and you'd receive him and you'd take him as your savior. And friends, your one heartfelt prayer 
from having the barrier removed between you and God. So right now, wherever you're at, in your cars, in that sacred space, in this sacred moment, wherever you're at, if you want to say yes to Jesus, I'm looking at you. I'm looking at the cars. I'm looking at the tents. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed in your tents, if that's you, right in your car, you want to say yes to God and yes for Jesus, I want you to raise your hand right in your car. In the back, I see your hand. Are there others? Is there anyone else? Just raise your hand out of your car. Our heads are, we're not going to embarrass you. Just raise your hand. Yes, sir, in the back. Is there anyone else? In the middle there. God bless you. To the side, God bless you. Are there any, is there anyone else? Today is my day. Don't let anyone rip you off. But we're grateful for those that raise their hands. Pray the simple prayer today. Jesus, I ask you to forgive me of my sin and make me right with you. Thank you for giving your life to me. Today I give you mine. Be the Lord of my life. I choose to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen. And amen. Let's put our heads together, friends. Hey, it's, uh, I just want to thank you. I want to thank all of you um, for coming to Drive-In Church at the Ranch. It's so much fun. It's such an honor to get to spend this time with you. It's such an honor. I'm so honored to be here. Um, you are loved and you are cared for. And um, we're going to continue the journey. It's a great journey, a great experience, a great experiment that God has us on. So next week, we're going to continue. Invite your friends. And we're going to see you next week. So God bless you. God bless you. God bless you.